Welcome to the Spine Talk podcast, presented by Texas Back Institute. For more information about Texas Back Institute, visit www.texasback.com. And now, your host, Art Young. Millions of people, young and old, both genders, suffer from a neurological disorder called epilepsy. Hi, I'm Art Young for Spine Talk, and joining us on this time to talk about this condition is Dr. Akwazi Boa, a neurosurgeon at Texas Back Institute. Welcome back, Dr. Boa. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Nice to have you here. In layman's terms, what is epilepsy, and how does it affect someone who has it? Um, <clears throat> epilepsy is a it's a disorder in which the the cells of the central nervous system, uh, particularly in the brain, which are known as neurons. It's a disorder where neurons are temporarily uh, disrupted from their usual activity, and this can manifest as uh, several different clinical scenarios, uh, most commonly what we would consider seizures. And seizures can actually take on many different faces. Most people, when they say that word seizure, they think of someone having uh, what we would call convulsions when you see the arms and, and legs shaking and people, you know, with their eyes, quote-unquote, rolled back in their head and even sometimes uh, drooling and salivating. But sometimes this can be as subtle as uh, staring episodes, repetitive movements, laughing spells, crying spells, uh, uh and, and and even, you know, people sometimes having what we would call a focal phenomenon, having something affect one extremity, one limb even. And, you know, how does this affect people? Well, there are many different ways that epilepsy affects people. You know, it really has a, what we call a pretty low incidence as well as prevalence. And the incidence means that well, how many new cases are there per year? And in, actually, in the United States, it's it's less than you know one per one thousand people. Uh, wow. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, that's that's the prevalence number I'm giving you. Sorry, uh, those are new cases. But as far as you know, what is out there right now, uh, you know, about three per I think a hundred thousand people, you know, have uh, diagnoses of epilepsy. And, you know, it number one has a cognitive effect, you know, which is cumulative over time. So the more that goes to say, the more seizures you have over time, well, the more cognitive effects you'll have. And this is, you know, unfortunately seen, you know, as early as early childhood as far as seizure disorders. This can also, you know, affect your ability to to perform normal neurologic functions, uh, walking, talking. Um, executive functions, meaning calculations, uh, you know, formulating sentences, communication with the external environment. And for some people, you know, seizure disorders even carry an annual risk of mortality or death. So the effects of seizures are are vast and, you know, there are, are many different ways that uh, the disorder affects people. So what causes epilepsy? Wow, that's... Um, that's a sixty-four thousand dollar question, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I, I've, I, there, there I are know many. It, yeah, there are there many are many causes. different causes, many, many, mm -hmm. many different causes, um, and uh, you know, unfortunately, come across 
a wide variety of them. There are some vascular lesions uh, in the brain that can cause seizures because these lesions basically either steal blood flow or act as foreign bodies to the brain or, or sometimes both. You know, capillary malformations, cavernous malformations, arteriovenous malformations, sometimes even aneurysms can do this, infections of the central nervous system, trauma to the central nervous system. Mm. Sometimes prior surgeries can cause epilepsy, metabolic disorders, congenital uh, disorders, uh, 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 endocrinologic disorders. Sometimes if your electrolytes get, get very low, it can cause a seizure disorder. And some people actually don't know that they have epilepsy. Uh, you know, uh, having a one-time seizure versus epilepsy, meaning it's something that is recurrent, Right. Sometimes it's a single event that unroofs the fact that you do have an underlying seizure disorder. So there are many, many, many different causes, uh, and you know the the end result is the same in that they cause this abnormal firing and functioning of the electrical information that the you know the cells in our brains are trying to deliver to each other and to the rest of our body. So what are the most effective treatments for this condition? Right now, you know, um, the mainstay of therapy is, you know, anti-epileptic medications. And, you know, we have neurologists and epileptologists who, you know, manage these disorders primarily. You know, as a neurosurgeon, what we want to see is that if people aren't responding well, whether or not there is a chance for us to help surgically. Right now, you know, anti-epileptic drugs, epileptic drugs as the mainstay of, of, of treatment are what we go to first. And hopefully, you know, for the average person, even if you need to be on a second and sometimes even third medication, hopefully they are able to reduce your, your seizure uh, volume as well as increase your seizure threshold. That is, make it much harder for you to have seizures. Now, when, you know, medications fail patients, where, where we come in, you know, we, we talk about some of the old tried-and-true therapies for, for seizures, and that is a very different mixed bag of, well, what is causing this problem, right? And that really depends on what's causing the seizures. So sometimes, you know, if it is a, a lesion, within the brain that is causing it and you know we are able to do what's called an EEG or an electroencephalogram to localize or find where in the brain the seizures are coming from sometimes it may suffice to just remove whatever it is that is causing the seizures sometimes the seizures are very poorly localized meaning there's they're firing from all over the brain and uh, sometimes we do a procedure that we previously mentioned called a vagal nerve stimulator. Now, other you know, treatments that we also do are, are basically in staged kinds of operations where we kind of map out in an invasive fashion using what we call cortical grids and sometimes uh, strips. And these are basically electrodes placed in and on the surface uh, of the brain to, to really get 
very accurate localization of seizures, and we sometimes even remove an entire lobe or lobectomy uh, of the brain for seizures. But these are the oldest tried and, and true uh, therapies and treatments for uh, seizure disorders, which can sometimes, unfortunately, be refractory to medication. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I we have both looked at uh, an article, uh, some new research that I sent to you, and and it's I, I'm I'm not sure whether it's in the uh, stage that it can be used yet, but it's in an MRI guided laser ablation surgery for epilepsy, and it's uh, supposedly minimally evasive procedure, proving to be very effective for people with medial temporal lobe epilepsy. Uh, which is a common form of drug-resistance epilepsy. I'm speaking from notes, not from knowledge. But uh, tell me about that. Does this MRI-guided laser ablation surgery hold some promise for epilepsy? It absolutely does. You know, I was privileged enough to see some of the first work done on this and, you know, uh, actually see some of the patients who had been treated uh, with this form of, of treatment, and it, it really is uh, an amazing thing. So, you know, with medial or mesial temporal lobe epilepsy, this is one of the hardest conditions for epileptologists to treat medically, and surgeons often get involved. And the typical operation for this is a craniotomy, where we basically make a window into the skull and then open the membranes covering the brain, and then remove uh, what is you know, known as the temporal lobe, and then the portion of the temporal lobe closest to the midline, which houses uh, the hippocampus and the amygdala. We do an operation called a temporal lobectomy and amygdalohippocampectomy. And this is a very classic anatomic operation. Well, with this new treatment, you don't have to do that. You know, every operation has its own risks, especially craniotomies. And, you know, thus far, you know, this it's relatively it's relatively new. Temporalobectomies have been around for decades and decades, but uh this new MRI guided, you know, laser ablation therapy it's probably about it's roughly seven years old now. And, you know, I, I think the first work was actually done in, in North Carolina, but it's, it's spread to many centers around, around the nation and, you know, many neurosurgeons who focus in uh, functional or epilepsy, you know, uh, you know surgery you know, have, have taken to this. And, you know, I was privileged enough to see some of the first work, and this is very promising. Number one, you know, if you don't need to have an open operation to have a condition treated, you know, 99.999% of us would prefer to not have that done to us. And if the long-term benefits are the same, I think that number will probably go up to 100% of us not wanting that uh, to be chosen as a treatment for us. And Thus far, the initial data are very, very encouraging about long-term seizure control because that's the end-all, be-all about any new therapy that we offer people, right? As as patients and parents and family members, whatever we offer as a treatment uh, in the medical field, right? It it needs to show that it is as good uh, as things that have been done before, because you know, as much as we try to make this 
uh, one-and-done sort of thing, sometimes what we plan uh, to happen doesn't go our way. And, you know, if we can get to a successful clinical result in something that's so difficult to treat in a minimally invasive fashion, this will be an amazing game changer for the future. There's hope for people with epilepsy. Um, medical, medical technology is just amazing. Just amazing. We've been talking with Dr. Akwazi Boa from Texas Back Institute. You can find more information about the subject and other subjects about spine and back pain at the Texas Back Institute website. That's texasback.com. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Boa. So much, so much, so much uh, coming up in the future. And I want to say thanks for giving me the opportunity to just talk about this with you. Well, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. For Spine Talk, I'm Art Young, and we'll talk again soon.